0: It is uh, Wednesday, the 11th day of uh, August. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, boys and girls, one and all. This is Dad. We're going to have a little talk today about money. And I want you to bear with me because this is one of those important discussions. They're all important. I mean, this is Dad talking. Let's get started. The Paul Truesdell Podcast is sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, and longview forecasting practical forecasting for the busy professional and
1: business owner the paul trusdell podcast general business and economic observations individual wealth tips tricks tools or techniques and things that made paul raise his eyebrows shake his head and purse his lips while taking a deep breath Let's get started.
0: Now, unlike prior podcast, you're going to hear occasionally some papers uh, shuffling around in the background because I've actually put some notes together for this. This is a topic that I am an absolute unequivocal subject matter expert in. I'm not one of those Rodneys or Raymonds. I am the real deal. And because of that, this is going to be easy peasy. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be easy peasy. But what I do want you to do is maybe pause this and take a piece of paper and a pen or a paper or a pencil. If you want, uh, get a coloring book and to get some crayons out and color and then take some notes in the sidelines. I don't care what you do. We're going to have some fun with this. We're going to dig into what you really need to know when it comes to things like what a mutual fund is, what an ETF is, what a sub advisor is, what a fiduciary is, what the different costs are. When I get done, you're going to go, holy cow, I didn't know that. <laughs> Because I am an investment advisor, I'm the founder and the chief executive officer of uh, Fixed Cost Financial, let me get this disclaimer out of the way. It's going to take a grand total of 52.6 seconds and I'll be right back. So get a cup of coffee because I'm going to do the same thing and we'll get started. Due to Paul's extensive holdings and that of his clients, you should assume that he and his firms have a position in all companies discussed and that a conflict of interest exists. By listening to this podcast and using this website in any manner, you understand the information presented is provided for informational purposes. Nothing said, written, or otherwise communicated in any form should be construed as an offer, recommendation, or solicitation to buy or sell a security so make sure you understand the disclaimer we're not pitching anything we're not selling anything i'm just giving you some good information and i hope and the purpose of this is that you'll get a hold of me and say you know dude you really know what you're talking about i like you and i want to work with you so here's the thing Do you know what you're doing when it comes to the buying and selling of mutual funds? Do you know who is actually doing it? Oh, I know you've got an advisor, agent, banker, broker, dealer, or financial planner, and you think they're doing it. But would you be surprised if I told you that most of these people, advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, dealers, and financial planners, they don't actually manage money, including the buying and selling of mutual funds and ETFs? Would it surprise you that there's a high probability that the person that's actually doing all the money management is someone that you've never met? You're never going to meet them. And this is the world of what we call sub-advisors. So what exactly is a sub Well, a sub-advisor is something you really, really ought to know exactly how it works because boy your money can fly out the door if you're using really expensive bundled financial products now a subadvisor is a bundled financial product so if you're taking notes write down the words subadvisor and then write down the words bundled financial product now what are some examples of bundled financial products well mutual funds exchange traded funds real estate investment trusts variable annuities oh boy boy are those things ever expensive and they are complex and bundled up so here's the thing there are a bunch of different people that are oftentimes involved in managing your money that you have absolutely no idea about and when you're well the more people you're paying the less you have at the end of the year. So this is where it gets a little bit complex, confusing, and challenging. All I want you to do is to bear with me and now write these words down. Multiple layers. Multiple layers. You see, there are multiple layers of registered investment advisors. Now, I am an investment advisor representative of a registered investment advisor. So you might want to down write down the word advisor and representative. You see, the representative is the person. The advisor is the institution or entity. So I'm the founder of fixed cost financial. Fixed cost financial is a registered investment advisor. I am an investment advisor representative of the firm. So again, just make sure you understand those two distinctions. When someone says, oh, I'm an investment advisor. No, you're not. No, you're a representative of an investment advisor, but you're not an actual investment advisor. Okay. That's a real important distinction because words have very specific meanings. And the the problem is in the financial services industry, so many words have so many different meanings that it's complex is confusing and challenging. Now, most investment advisors are actually relationship managers. Now you wanna jot that word, those two words down. Jot down the word relationship managers. Now, that's a real term can't make it up. You see, the person that you're dealing with is very likely not doing anything when it comes to the buys and sells. There's a very high probability that they're nothing more than a salesperson in which there's a subadvisor known as a third-party asset management platform. These are called TAMPs. So jot down that acronym, TAMP, T-A-M-P. And for TAMP, it stands for third-party asset management platform. So a subadvisor is also, known as aka sub advisors are aka known as third party asset management platforms. Okay, or you can put the word parties on there. Okay, so let's stop and think about this for a minute. Because it's important to get a couple of key concepts down. You have registered investment advisors, those are the firms You have representatives, those are the people that work with or through the firms. Okay, you have mutual funds, ETFs, and a lot of different type of bundled financial products. And who's actually doing the buying and selling of the individual stocks and bonds. I mean, how many layers are there? And that's the key thing. There are multiple layers that you need to understand. You also need to understand, because it's critical that there's a high probability, in my opinion, well over 90% of all investors are actually dealing with a relationship manager, people that obfuscate what it is they do. Oh, I'm a financial planner. I'm a wealth advisor. They give all these fancy titles. I'm an executive vice president with the company, yada, yada, yada. They get these titles based upon how much commissions they have. Have, how many? How much revenue they generate for the firm. So that's something you need to realize. So it's complicated. But here's the thing. Who's actually making the buys and sells when it's down to the actual stocks and bonds and real estate? Think about that for a minute. Now, you were probably led to believe that these are the people that are actually going to buy the mutual funds for you, the ETFs. And if not, well, they're actually going to hire somebody to do it for them. But the key is they're going to find the very best that's out there and put those into your portfolio. And then here's the other thing, it's going to be unique to you. So jot down the word custom portfolio. There is no such thing as a custom portfolio. Anybody that says otherwise, they're lying to you. Because what happens with these third-party asset management platforms, what they do is they have a handful of approaches. And what they do is these approaches, you fill out a little questionnaire and the person talks to you and they presto, zippo, zappo, all of a sudden they say, oh, well, you're in the growth approach and they put all your money into the growth. You see, one of the things I believe is in segregation of money. You've got to segregate money based upon when you're going to withdraw it. And I call it the bucket system or the envelope system of investing. I'm not going to talk about that. If you're interested in that, get a hold of me. But the key thing is you want to segregate your money based upon when the withdrawals are going to take place. So again, this may really sound familiar to you that the typical advisor, agent, banker, broker, dealer, financial planner is always doing the same old song, the same old dance. They've been doing it for decades. Oh, we're going to create this custom portfolio for you you hogwash, pure unadulterated hogwash. That's what I'm saying. Oh, hogwash. That's right. Okay. So we have a couple of terms we've given you. We've given you the term subadvisor. The other one is TAMP, which stands for third-party asset management platform. You should have those down. Now, another word for platform is provider. But generally speaking, those that promote, promote themselves as platforms, what they do is they offer a lot of whistles and bells to your financial planner to use them. Now, a lot of these platforms will offer things like oh newsletters and client-facing services, data aggregation, all sorts of financial planning software. Remember, most financial planning, all all of it out there, just simply go onto the internet and do a search using Yahoo, Google, Bing, use Swiss cows. That's a very good European search engine and type in financial planning software and look at all the software programs that are up there. The odds are 90%, if not greater, whoever you're dealing with, They're not doing spreadsheets. They're not doing Excel calculations. They bought a software program. Their assistant or somebody else typed your information in, bada bing, bada boom, bada bang, and it generates a a financial plan. Oh, hell's bells. These things are online now. People say you can do financial planning online. Enter a few things in, done. It doesn't work that way. I don't believe in financial planners. Okay. Financial planning is a tool. T O O L. Jot that down. Financial planning is a tool. It's not a a service. Financial planning is a tool, T-O-O-L, not a service. Look, anyone, literally anyone that's got any kind of a decent IQ and has the ability to take a pen and paper and a calculator can work out the numbers themselves. Lots of you have Excel or some other type of software on your computers, on your tablets, on your phone, where you can do a spreadsheet. If you can do a basic spreadsheet, you can do all your own financial planning. You don't need to make mountains out of molehills. What these people do is these software programs are designed to give you whistles and bells, pretty charts, lots of color, and you get oohed and odd by it. And then all of a sudden it's so complicated. Well, okay, Charlie, just go ahead and do it. Charlie loves it because Charlie's making a big fat commission. Now, one of the other things these TAMPs do is they offer services not just to you as the client, but also see, the client to them is the advisor, agent, banker, broker, dealer. So they give trips, they have conventions, and a lot of times these things are nothing more than a way of rewarding these people for business. The more business they get, the longer the conventions and these conventions are said to be continuing education, but really what they are is they're just going to exotic locations, five-star hotels and, you know, let's go golfing, yada, yada, yada. It's just a way of spreading the love around, just spreading the love around, but that is the way it works. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, but You're paying for it. You're paying for it if you go to somebody's uh, farm or ranch and they're having a client appreciation dinner. They're sponsoring all these different things, you know, you're paying for it, you're paying for it. Now, one of the things these camps or sub-advisors will say is that they are a market specialist. They have a niche. In other words, the financial planner that you're using needs to use them because they have expertise in various areas that, well, the financial planner doesn't have an expertise in. Well, here's the thing. It costs money to use these people. No ifs, ands, or buts. It costs a lot yeah. of money to use these people. So a financial planner is paid oftentimes assets under management. It's a it's a commission paid on a quarterly basis. Now, let's use 1%. And let's say they're using a quarterly calculation, the average daily balance of the portfolio. So a quarter of a percent per quarter, right? Makes sense. Total of 1%. So if you have a million dollars and your dude is charging you, let's say, 1%. That's going to cost you $10,000 for them to put what? To have a relationship with you, to put coffee on the table and and crumpets and uh, maybe a, a donut in front of you, occasionally take you to dinner. Listen, you pay me $10,000, I'll be happy to give you an hour of my time and I'll pick up the tab at a, at a, a nice restaurant, reasonable, and um, we can talk. I have no problem doing that because I'm making money and it's coming from you. So if your portfolio is worth $2 million, you just paid $20,000 right off the top. That's a haircut. And that's a hefty haircut if you think about it. And I'll talk more about that in just a minute. Now, that's your 1%. It's not unusual for these boys and girls to charge one5 even 2%. And that, unfortunately is not unusual. Okay, Now you have the sub-advisor, again, the third-party money manager. They come in, they're hired as the investment company to put together the mutual fund and manage the portfolio. And remember, you've got multiple layers of investment advisors. This is now the second layer. It's not unusual for the sub-advisor to charge on a quarterly basis, let's say a quarter of a percent to a half a percent on an annual basis. So again, it's another assets under management. 50 basis points is what half a percent. Is okay. A basis point is one one hundredth of one percent. So one of the things these folks do is they'll say to you, "Oh, listen, you know, a basis point isn't much. It's one one hundredth of one percent, hardly anything." And then they'll tell you what you know what that little amount is. Then they'll say, "And our fee is only one hundred fifty basis points." So you can see we're on the same side of the table, Bob. The more you make, the more I make. But what commission Charlie is not telling you, and they get you thinking on these little tiny fractions. One hundred fifty basis points is one and a half percent. And That adds up over time that adds up to a lot so now we have two layers of assets under management okay we've got your dude and now we have the sub now what's next what's next is well a lot of times these boys and girls they don't buy individual stocks okay they don't what do they do they buy mutual funds. They buy ETFs. So the sub-advisor is selecting the mutual funds and the ETFs. And these guys and gals charge an asset under management commission just like everybody else. So now this is the third layer of assets under management. The financial planner gets theirs. The sub-advisor gets theirs. Now we've got these, this third layer for your mutual funds and ETFs. And what's a real ripoff is there oftentimes is a fourth layer when you have a manager of managers. You know, you might have a investment sub-account manager who picks several manager managers. Well, they're just delegating it again to another person. So you could have as many as four layers of assets under management. Now, is this unusual to have? No, not at all. People don't understand what they have. I'm being very serious to you. They do not understand. So you might have a total of three layers, not including trade costs. And this is to get down to actually buying the stocks and bonds the real estate and other direct investments. So here's where we're at. My experience, and I've been doing this now for 36 years, is that most people are paying between 1.75 and 2 percent all in. Now, you may have heard of a guy by the name of Anthony Robbins or Tony Robbins. He did a couple of, of uh, YouTube videos where he talked to people on the street about what a fiduciary is and how much people are paying. Let's take take one.
2: How much are your fees on your 401k? I'm not sure. I got to check with Chase. <laughs> I'll have to check. 67 of Americans think they pay no fees. The, I think I'm paying no fees, so now I need to check. No, you're you're definitely yes. now you're in the business. I am. Yeah. I look I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the average people think is either not paying or less than one percent. The average is three point one two percent. Wow. Every one percent is ten years of compounded interest of income. In other words, because interest of compounding, on every one percent you overpay is a decade's worth of income you lose later on in life.
0: There's a couple things to break down there. He says that 67% of people believe they're not paying any, any any kind of costs. And I will tell you, I actually think it's closer to 80%. I have done a lot of socializing. People like to call it networking. I've talked to people a lot. For all of those of you who have met me at these different networking events, I've been gathering information and we're getting ready to basically go public with our firm. And I've just been amazed. It's, it's an amazing thing. People don't know. So don't feel bad. If you say, oh, you know, I I don't know what I'm paying. It's not a big deal. It isn't a big deal. Yes, oh! You're just like everybody else. But what he says about being 3% for 401ks, that may be the case. But for privately held money, what we do, basically, it's probably around 175 to 2% in my opinion. Now, they also said, you know, it's just people just don't know. Let's go to take two. Let's bring that up.
2: Tell me something, Rose. I want to ask you a question. Give me your first answer. What is a fiduciary? What is a fiduciary? Yes.
0: I have no idea.
2: (laughs) What's a fiduciary? A fiduciary? Yes. I don't
0: know. I should probably know this, but I don't.
2: Okay, (laughs) that's a good one. If I asked you what is a fiduciary, what would your answer be? No clue. What do you guess it is? Almost nobody seems to know, so don't feel bad. (laughs) I'm just curious. If you had a guess, what do you think it is?
0: Something to do with financial services.
2: Something to do with financial services. That's absolutely accurate. What would you guess it is? probably something awesome it just sounds like an awesome word i'm a fiduciary like it has to have some kind of action behind it i don't know
0: i can tell you absolutely unequivocally beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt absolutely nobody knows what a fiduciary is and i've talked to several thousand people over the last 10 years specifically at socials and these networking events they they don't know people are embarrassed to say they don't know so what they do is they fake it and they you know they kinda of go, Oh yeah, well I know, oh that's what my guy does and blah, blah, blah. The number of times I've had mainly women who are in their thirties and forties who look at me with squinted eyes and get they curl their nose and go, My guy doesn't charge me anything. Well, you your guy yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's just you don't see the fees coming because they're obfuscated, they're they're tucked in, they're not transparent in what you're paying. So yeah, I mean it gets it gets expensive. So if you've got a million dollars, you're paying anywhere from oh, say seventeen thousand five hundred to as much as twenty thousand dollars, based upon my calculations. That most people are paying around one seven five to two all in. That's the key thing, all in. One of the items most people will say is, "Oh, I use no load mutual funds. I don't pay anything." That is the biggest crock a cockadoodle do on the face of the earth. In my opinion, if I was the head of the Securities Exchange Commission, that would end like right now. I would never allow anyone to say no load because there's always some kind of a load. If you buy it, that's a haircut up front. If you sell it and you pay at the end, that's a haircut at the end. And if you're paying assets under management, that's a slow bleed commission. That's like a Chinese water torture. Imagine being strapped down to a gurney with a little drop of water hitting you right between the eyes. Year after year after that drive you nuts. That would drive you absolutely Nuts. Yes! You'd be like that guy, you know? And eventually you might wind up. Sharding yourself, right? I mean, it's just an insane thing. But you know what? People don't care. People don't care because they think, oh, I'm not paying anything. The other thing that these advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners tell people is we're on the same side of the table. Yes, we are. We're on the same side of the table. The more you make, the more I make. So isn't that the right thing to do? We're just doing the right thing. That is, again, just a bunch of mint tulip and hogwash you uh, the number you've dialed is not in service at this time. Yeah, it's hogwash because the number is not in service because you're not getting anything more for what you've got going on than what somebody else. Look, here's the thing. Let's say you've got $5 million. You're paying your guy 1% a year, that's $50,000 off the top. Somebody's got a portfolio of $50,000, okay? You've got 5 million. They got the same damn holdings. You should be asking yourself, why am I paying more? If you got $100,000, you're paying $1,750 to $2,000 a year. So that is is what it is, what it is. Let's go to take three. And what did Tony also say?
2: We're here on Wall Street. We interviewed 27 people and one person knew what a fiduciary was and he was a fiduciary. (laughs) So it's not a good sign. No one knew what their fees were, including a guy in the financial business.
0: So I had an opportunity to meet a guy from Prime America in uh, the Pinellas County area. He works in Pinellas and down in Manatee, Sarasota, Hillsborough County, I believe. And this guy, he's a Prime America agent. He sells life insurance. His goal is to recruit you to become an agent. And they want to get you licensed and yada yada yada. That's what they do. It's a commission-based sale. This guy actually sat down with me. I was thought, well, you know, let's have a conversation with him. You never know, something might turn out. And it was a waste of my time. That'll never happen again. The guy, I saw him all these other different things. What did he do? What do you think this horses manure person did? Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm you know Jack the Beanstalk, and I'm with Prime American. I'm a fiduciary, and blah blah blah. So the other day, my son said to me, you know, Dad, the problem with the word fiduciary is that we really do what it is that a fiduciary does. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have part two and how this relates to everyone in just a moment. But he said, here's the problem. The word has been so abused. It's been abused by regulators, by legislators, by people in the industry, by academics. You see, there's a very key component missing with everyone who is a conflicted advisor, agent, banker, broker, dealer, financial planner. So understanding the transparent and non-transparent costs of investing can make a tremendous difference over a few years. Let me give you what those differences can be. So let's just say you have a million dollars. Okay, You've got a million dollars. You're going to put that money away for 20 years. Now there's going to be a 9% gross rate of return. You're going to get 9% a year. It just happens to turn out that way. So for illustration purposes, you use somebody who's charging 25 basis points a year to have unlimited limited trading to take care of all the paperwork, yada, yada, yada. You're all in at a quarter of a percent on an annual basis. Now you got somebody who's charging 1.75%, the lower of the two that I gave you. Then you got somebody who's got a mutual fund and they've got living benefits. They've got death benefits. They've got mortality and expense charges. When you get all said and done, they're paying 3.5%. So what have you got going on here? After 20 years, if you're paying a quarter of a percent, you have $5,352,000 okay one million grew to 5.3 million dollars if you're paying the 1.75 you have four million dollars that's one basically four million dollars difference okay now you got that mute that uh, variable annuity it's chalk with fees you're at 2.9 million dollars that's right 2.9 million dollars instead of having 5.3 you were paying for the convenience of having a variable annuity and you paid for the fear factor that's right it's called a fear factor. Yeah. Oh, they told you that if you had to make withdrawals, you withdrawals will always be. withdrawals. I'm telling you, there are ways to make withdrawals that are very safe and secure. But problem is once you go into an annuity, oftentimes the tax deferral is so great that if you take the money out in a lump sum, you get slaughtered. Once they got you, they got you. So when you buy a variable annuity, you got to be careful. There are places for them. There are places that you should never use them. The big thing is... They might make a good supplement, but they're not the same as a fixed account where you can bank on it. I could go on for hours on this thing, but let's keep on going. Let's talk a little bit about relationships. You got to understand these advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners—they're all about the relationship. They want to be a relationship manager. What they do is they have parties, they have socials, they sponsor events. Oh my goodness, go to any 55-plus community, and they're everywhere. They're in the community. They're always, you know, they're doing the the hug and mug. I feel your pain. They're, they're just they're just so sappy. And they're willing to do one-on-one meetings and drive because my gosh, they're making a boatload. If you think about it, somebody has a million dollars and at 1% they're making what? A lot of money, $10,000 a year. Okay. So if you've got, oh, I don't know, 10 clients, you've got $10 million at 1%, this person is making $100,000 a year. Let's make it 20 million. Now they're making $200,000 a year. Let's make it 40 million. They're making $400,000 a year. That's the reason why they can afford, after a relatively few years in the business, they have the big ranches, they have the big parties, they drive the, the the, the well, they're not driving Cadillacs, they're not driving Mercedes, they're driving the, the Rolls Royces, they're driving the uh, Bentleys. And why? Because you see, most of these people are not efficient and effective. They're inefficient at what they're doing. They're doing outdated processes that has been going on for years with advisors, bankers, brokers, and financial planners. They're not using technology efficiently in effectively. And if they are, they're not passing the savings off to you. So here's the key thing. A lot of times they're sold as one of the, well, this is a specialist. There's overwhelming advantages here. We have lots of diversification. Oh, hogwash. It basically, well, a person who's been in the business for a little bit length of time, they're not working 40 hours a week. They're working maybe 10 hours at, at keeping current and doing their continuing education. Most of their time is spent doing marketing, doing seminars, sending things out constantly on the internet, looking for a new business. Or they're coming to see you to see if you've got more money to give to them, or somehow, some shape or form, they got money in motion. So, we called MIMO. So, here's the thing: let's say you're paying two percent a year. Now, if you got a million dollars and you're paying two percent a year, you're paying two percent on the continued growth. The more you have with them, the more you're going to pay. Okay? We just told you that a million dollars for twenty years at nine percent, paying a quarter of a percent, gives you five point three five two million dollars. So, we'll just round it up to five point four a million dollars at 20 years, 9% at 1.75% in costs is $4 million. Now a $1 million 20 years at 3.5%, typical variable annuity, $2.9 million. So think of it like this. You give somebody a million bucks, after 20 years, you just gave them at least $400,000, 40% of your original deposit. But if it goes up, you're giving them a whole lot more. Now the thing is, a lot of these sub-advisors, the fund and the financial planners, whatever these people call themselves, there's a lot of things that you have to consider. And one is the commission structure, the agreements. You should read those things very thoroughly. And note that not all will be compensated the same way. You know, in other words, assets under management is a slow bleed commission. Always remember that. It's a slow bleed commission. And when you look at the fee agreement, this is important. Ask the person you're wishing working with. Ask Commission Charlie. Hey, Charlie, let me ask you a quick question. Is by chance this fee negotiable? Yeah, it is. So what is my fee? Well, we start to charge a standard fee. What if I have more money? All of a sudden, you start to get this, this you know, the, the Texas two-step. They're a little bit here, a little bit there. Because once you start asking for a discount, uh, they're going to want to say, uh, Yeah. Hold on a minute. Uh, I don't want to do that because if we lower our fee, uh, I'm going to make less money. But how is that fair? So you're a really good negotiator. Let's say you're a really lousy negotiator. Bottom line is if you're a lousy negotiator or your money's going out the door. Here's the thing. Despite the potentially higher fees or other aspects that a supervisor well, could be advantageous, they could have in-depth experience and expertise in a particular strategy that your person doesn't have any clue on. Why? Because they're not a money manager. They're a salesperson. They're strictly a salesperson in order to make money selling what? What are they doing? They're selling the third-party asset management platforms. So again, one of the things I want, you to always remember never forget is that there is always the opportunity for people to make a lot of money selling financial products that simply don't make sense to you in any way shape or form now i'm gonna whip my whistle get a cup of coffee i'll be back in 30 seconds right after this Okay, so this gets a little complex. I get it. But every investor should closely examine what the commission structures are for the sub-advisors, as well as for the person, the rep that they're working with, as well as for the mutual funds, the ETFs, these bundled financial products. So I guess one of the things I want you to understand is there's also all these different gobbledygook languages out there, okay? You have sub-advisors and advisors in mutual funds and variable annuities, and you have A-shares. B shares, C shares, F shares, I shares, Y shares. All of these expenses vary based upon the share class. And frankly, nobody knows what is in your best interest. You have companies that are fined all the time for not using the right share class. But I don't know why the government doesn't just say, look, everything's a no load. We're done. Either you have A shares, you pay a commission, or you have institutional shares. That's it. One, two, done. That's what I would do. If I was uh, the president of the United States, I would be walking down to the Securities and Exchange Commission. I'd get FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Association. I'd get all of the state regulators together and say, look, people have a right to know what they're doing. So this is what I want you to do. People have a right to make a living in the business, but let's make it so that they understand what they're doing. You pay a commission up front. that's number one, or they're going to pay an asset management fee. That fee is actually a long-term commission. That's number two. They can't call it a fee. An upfront fee, upfront commission rather, and an ongoing commission. That's it. Done deal. Eliminate all of the rest this gobbledygook on what you're doing make it easy for the consumer in my opinion that would be the right thing to do yeah so i have an offer for you before we leave i have a very simple offer Do you want to know some more about this? If you do, use the contact form on this podcast page. You'll notice that we have a temporary item there, and you can complete it. Now, that temporary item simply says, link to the AUM discussion page. So if you would like to have access to the AUM discussion, simply check that box. If you'd like to receive a weekly email from me letting you know what we're doing and what the podcasts are, etc., once a week, we're not going to bomb you. We don't sell your data. Check that box as well. Name, first and last, email, subject, message. Send me a message. Say, hey, Pauly, I like what you said. Or say, hey, I don't like what you said. I don't care. Just send me something. I want to hear from you. But if you want to know the second part of this, why do we call AUM a committee? and not a fee, I'm going to be discussing that. Why are assets under management charged by advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners? Why is that a conflict of interest and why you should never, ever, ever use anyone who is a broker as well as a financial investment advisor? They're 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 not true adv- fiduciaries. We're going to talk a little bit about what the term fiduciary means and how it's become worthless, absolutely pure worthless. And on top of that, oh, by the way, just so you know, one of my wonderful clients, a husband and wife, live nearby, I got them as a result of uh, Tony Robbins. They read his book about uh, investing and they were talking about fiduciaries. And I was actually shocked because I had gotten the book myself and I had just torn it up. And I had just got done doing a seminar or webinar and and podcasts about how what Tony Robbins was saying was just a complete conflict of interest because of what he was doing. Again, you have these pseudo fake fiduciaries out there that charge assets under management and they wrap themselves in the fiduciary blanket, just like the, the guy at the um, Prime America group down there. Don't use those people. I'm begging you, don't use them. Yeah, yeah don't use them. And then what we're going to do is we're going to answer these questions and it'll be available for you. You can kind of go through it, everything else, go to the contact page. And you know what? I can't believe it took this long. So with that, thanks for joining me. I had fun. Hope you learned a few things. This is dad saying, hey, it's another day in the neighborhood, a little bit more to think about. With that, we're out of here. Bye-bye. This has been
1: the Paul Truesdell podcast, sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial and Longview Forecasting. For more information about Fixed Cost Financial and Longview Forecasting, visit the website for the conglomerate of Truesdell companies at truesdell.net or call the corporate offices for the Truesdell companies at 212-433-2525. That's 212-433-2525. All rights reserved.
2: Woo!